<laughs> okay, fine. So let's uh, talk a little bit about Gilad Shalit. We actually, anyone, I don't know if anyone here was here last year, we actually spoke about this topic a little bit last year. Right. Um, we didn't speak about it, we talked more in theory because he was still imprisoned and we still didn't think there was any chance he really was going to get out anytime soon. Now that he was freed, so I thought we should talk about it. There's a lot of talk in the news about actually Noam Shalit, Gilad's father, had a meeting with Ravai Yosef, the Rishon and Zion, the former Sephardic chief rabbi, who's still the um, spiritual leader of Shas, and one of the biggest Tamini Chacham in the world, biggest Torah scholars in the world. Um, and he's been very vocal and very supportive of the Shalit family all the way through. For years already, he's been talking about this and supporting them and diving for him. He sent him a, a sitter a couple of years ago before Hashanah. He's been very, very vocal. Um, about his support for his release. Um, so much so that Eli Yishai, who's the head of Shas in the government, before they had the vote, he went to speak with Ravadia. Before, and to find out, because the, the members of Shas, they made their political decisions based on law, based on Jewish law. So he went to Ravadia and said, is it okay, can I, can I vote in favor of this transfer? Fine. So the question is, what, what's the problem? Isn't it obvious? Isn't it obvious that you, can, that you should go do whatever you can to free a captured soldier? So what's the problem? A lot of, there is two problems. Yeah. One of the problems is about the, you put uh, in a risk these new soldiers, or soldiers that are already now in the Israeli military. Or, or Why are you putting the soldiers at risk? You put them in a risk because now, you, cause now they know that they can always make a okay. deal. Okay, so now that they're more likely to go get more. Yeah, let's, let's kidnap uh, another soldier. They said it the other day. They said it the other day. They said it the other day. When they came back, they said, and now we're going to get more, and we'll get now 2,000 soldiers. You know what? I got an article today in the, in the internet, and it says, it wasn't a, what do you call it, what they did? They traded? It Trade. wasn't a trade, it was ransom. Right, so what? Right. Ransom. What is ransom? Ransom. So I can kidnap somebody. In other words, to get him back, you gotta pay. Right, right. So, so the question is, so the question is, so that's number one. So you put future soldiers at risk because people will be more likely to do it now if they see you can get a trade. What's the other problem? How much to The other problem is uh, the, the families that was the victims. Okay. My uh, families who chill, who's killed. Uh, parents, children, whatever, who had been killed by these people who are being released. Yeah. Good. We are reading in Parashat Noach, Dam, Adam, Adam, Yes? The prohibition to kill. Life of some of the killer for the life of the one that was killed. But they're going to watch them real good now. Okay. They so what's, what's, so, but what's the other problem? Not just the sensitivity to those families, but now that the terrorists are released... They could kill again. They could kill again. Right. So you're putting Israeli society at risk. Right, so that's why when it came to this question, it wasn't such a simple thing. And also the right. question... What? No one knew that he was alive or not. Okay, they also didn't know if he was alive or not. So, so the question becomes... How do you strike this balance? Clearly, human life, right? The life of a person is the most important thing in Judaism. We do almost anything to save a life. But the problem is, whose life? Because you're sort of making a choice here. And are we allowed to make choices between one person's life and someone else's life? So let's take a look. There are a lot of sources here. I'm try to get through all of them. Um, which will touch on, hopefully, each of these questions and give us a very clear Understanding is obviously not across the board. Everyone agrees. There'd be some back and forth about this, some dispute, but we'll have to see uh, where, where we live. I have a question. If the, the prisoner, the Shabui, is in danger of flight, then there's no question, right? You have to. Anyone is in danger. Yeah, how you know that he's not in danger? Because with Hamas, we know from the situation of deterioration, there wouldn't be any more occasion with Egypt to do this deal. So maybe his life was really... In more danger now, you're saying, than, it, oh, than, yeah. than in a normal situation. You're saying, like, more danger than Nachshon Waxman? Also in danger. I mean, they went to get Nachshon Waxman, but I'm saying, you have... You have but for them today, the, the, 
the person that released today is an American Israeli citizen. Right. Uh, was his life in danger? Or is it, uh, John Hall. He was in danger. He was in power. In a place like hotel, right. and they, they they said we're not we're not uh, spying anymore. We agree with that. Just one point five terrorists. Right. So, not terrorists exactly. So. So it's a good question. Good question. So let's see. No, it's a good question. What if the person's life is in danger? Shouldn't that override everything? The problem is, the problem is that if we're releasing terrorists who put everyone else's life in danger, is that the same thing? Okay. These are hard questions. These are hard questions. Okay. Start with source number one. Source number one is the Rambam, who just speaks about what it is the great mitzvah of. Pidyon Shreem, bringing back someone who is helicopter. Amen. You want to read? Source number one? Joshua. Redeeming captives comes before providing for the needs of the poor. And there is no mitzvah as great as redeeming captives, because the captive is included in those who are hungry, thirsty, naked, and in mortal danger. So what does that mean? That comes before regular tzedakah? Right? Regular panasat aniyim. Why? Because they're included among They're also poor. They're... A poor person doesn't have food to drink, but this person has, doesn't have his life. He's, or he, he's missing everything. Okay. Therefore, one who turns the other way from saving a captive violates the prohibition of do not close your heart and do not close your hand and do not stand by while the blood of your brother is spilled. And do not let him be worked hard in front of you. And he also misses out on the mitzvah of surely you should open your hand for him and your brother should live with you and love your neighbor as you That's a lot of Torah mitzvahs, a lot of Torah commandments, right? We got, do not close your heart, do not close your hand, do not stand by while I do not let him be a worker in front of you. Five, six, seven. That's seven, eight, seven. Seven different mitzvot that are possible to fulfill by redeeming someone and by not doing so, possibly violating or leaving out if you don't do so. It's a lot of mitzvot. That we have in mind. So it's not just a nice thing. We're talking about a lot of very but specific. You're doing if you release the, the And if you don't, not that mitzvah that you miss out on, but maybe say maybe violations, or maybe not vera if you leave him there. So you have to do that. Oh, okay. So, but there could be on the other side again, yeah. same thing again, same thing for someone who else. If you're putting someone else's life in, we're going to talk specifically about that case. What if you have to choose one life over the other? What do you do? Yeah. So we'll talk about that. So you make a you make mitzvah, and then you make avera. Avera. It's magbir. So karim is a mitzvah ba'avera. We call that a mitzvah that comes by way of an avera. If you do a mitzvah by the way of doing a sin, that's a problem. You know, you can't steal lulav and then shake it. It doesn't work. Yeah. We don't do that. Right? So if you're going to violate an avera at the same time, that's not called a mitzvah anymore. So we have to see. Okay, but clearly the concept of, of redeeming someone who's who's in, imprisoned. Is a tremendous mitzvah. Okay. But there are certain limitations on when it is that we do this. We do it in every situation. We do it all the time. Are there any ever a time when we're not allowed to? The Gemara says in source number two. The Gemara. The number one is talking about more about money. Because if you have have an amount of money and you think to pay for poor people or to release. Okay, he says pidyon's right. He says pidyon shruim, which is really redeeming, which is usually for money. Correct. That is true. Okay. Source number two, the Gemara, the, the Talmud in Masechet Gitten, 45a. Who wants to read it? Wait, wait. I don't know how to read it. Can you read it in Hebrew? No. <laughs> one, should not redeem, okay, Daniel, one should not redeem a captive for more than he is worth because of Tikkun Olam. A great line, which is very important to notice, the language of tikkun olam. Okay? This is not when, when we say the word, oh, tikkun olam, right, you know, um, volunteering at a homeless shelter, tikkun olam, right, fixing the world. Well, tikkun olam in the Gemara means something very specific. Oh, okay. And we're going to see what it means. Okay. The Gemara, in, very, in a number of cases, uses the words tikkun olam. It's how that's a phrase. It's not just, oh, nice, we love everybody. You know, it's a, it means something very specific. So we'll see what that means now. The Gemara is explaining. What is this Tikkun Olam? What does that mean? It was asked, this phrase, on account of Tikkun Olam, is it out of concern for the burden this will place on the community, or maybe so that they won't be enticed to kidnap more people? Ah, so there are two different possibilities, and it would be very, very important to understand the difference between the two. Okay? One is, 
that if we continue to to um, redeem captives, what might happen? Well, it's going to cost us a lot of money. It's expensive. But if every time if people know kidnap a Jew, you'll get ten million dollars. So what's going to happen, right? They kidnap Chazal Someone in this community got kidnapped. We'd all get our money together, right? We raise a million bucks, free the person. Know what I'm saying? Kidnapping Jews is a great because we're so together, we're unified, we'll get to, right. We care about each other. So everyone, oh, so kidnapping a Jew is a good business. The next week, they get kidnapped another Jew. And again, we're going to, so eventually we have no money for the shul, no money for the school, no money for the mikvah. Right? We're going to we're gonna have no money. Okay. This actually was happened in Mexico in the past few years. Jews got a very, uh, very wealthy. Okay. So all these kids, they're in danger. So they go with uh, uh, like the bodyguard to the school because they captured kids and they said, you want kids back? I want a million dollars. There you go. Money. There you go. Okay, so what's the second one though? They're not, these aren't the same thing. B, so they won't be enticed to kidnap more people. Meaning, if they see they get paid, it sounds like the same thing, it's not sounding the same thing. They see that when they get paid, so what are they going to do? They're going to keep doing it. Not because it's going to cost us more money, but that the, it's just the fact that more people will be kidnapped. So what do you do about it? So we have to see. So, so the mission says, though, that's why we don't pay more than whenever the person is worth you have to know how much a person's worth. But how do you know? How do you know? Right. Persons of a whole world. Right. So again, obviously we don't like to give a value to a person. But the question is, we have to well we have, you'd have to figure out what's a reasonable price. Trade. What if it's people, one person for one person, or it's you know, a reasonable amount of money, that is, you know, possible to do. But if it's gonna be such an enormous amount, each person you'd never be able to, to handle it, that would be more than they're worth. So so there's no distinction between, let's say, somebody who's very important or somebody... We're going to see. We're going to see. Okay. In, a few, in, in two minutes. In, in this time, we used to uh, know how the person like, the slave market. I, I don't know if that's exactly how they value it. They would call erichin in, 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 in halacha. Erichin is like basically the value. If a person says, I'll give my value to the base of Mikdash, to the temple in Jerusalem, as a, as a donation to the air condition. So if you'd say that, so there's a certain amount, a certain amount of silver coins that each different person, depending on their value as a, as a worker, basically. How much? I'm not sure if that's what it means here, exactly, the, the erichin, but either way. Okay, so anyways, the Gemara wants to solve the problem. Which one is it? Is it because it's going to cost too much money for the seaboard, for the community, or is it because it's going to entice them to continue to take more and more people? So as the Gemara says, Tashma, come and listen. This is what happened with you, you know, in the, with Gilad Shalit, people said that it's too much for him. So we pay too much money for Gilad Shalit, so they, they price Gilad. Right? So they what? And you use that yourself. Down, down. They put a price on him. It's the same thing you said before. They come take more people. Gemara itself is talking about this problem. So we're going to see. Yeah, yeah. So, so, right. So let's keep going. What does Gemara say? Come and listen. Come and listen. Levi Bar Darga, Darga, redeemed his daughter with 13 <coughs> gold coins, presumably more than her value. Abaya answered, who says Levi acted in accordance with the rabbis? Maybe he was acting against their wishes. Okay, so how would this case of Levi Bar Darga, how would that, how would that get us, again, if Levi Bar Darga, ready? This guy, he goes in himself. Well, this gets to a fundamental question. Of what we call in halacha a nafkamina. What's a nafkamina? A nafkamina is as follows: a halachic difference, meaning you have two possibilities, two reasons why it might be forbidden to pay too much money. Okay. So the question is: give, find me a case that will show you the difference between the two. Meaning, there's two possibilities. One is that it's because I'm nervous that it's going to cost too much money for the community. Other possibility why it's not allowed to pay too much money is because they're going to keep kidnapping more people. Well, what if one individual decides he's going to pay $10 million? If I'm worried about it being too much of a burden on the community, is it a burden on the community? No, he's paying himself. But if I'm worried that he's going to... So therefore, if the issue is really a problem of being a burden on the community, and Lady Bajarga pays himself, and we say that's okay, oh, that must be the reason. 
Because he was allowed to in this case. Why? Because I wasn't a burden on the community. He was doing it for himself. However, if the issue is an issue of they're going to come to kidnap more people, I don't care who's redeeming them for how much money. The fact that you paid, they're going to kidnap someone again. So the Quran wants to say, well, maybe the fact that Levi Bardaga paid extra money, what does it show you? That the issue is really an issue of burdening the community. So the Gemara answers, well, Levi Bardaga wasn't a rabbi. He was just some guy. And we don't know if what he was doing was correct or incorrect. Just because someone does it doesn't mean that it's correct. So therefore, the Gemara leaves, leaves the case, has no answer. And we don't know at this point what the reason is. It could be one of two. It could either be one of these two reasons. We don't know, according to the Gemara, which one is the real reason. Okay. So let's keep on going. Let's read the Rambam, source number three. Okay, Shlomi, bang loop, bang loop. So Ramam says, what's the reason? What's the reason? Because it costs too much money for everybody? No. Because if you, capture, if you pay them off, they continue to, to capture more and more people. Like you said, they continue to capture more and more soldiers. And that's the reason why you're not allowed to pay too much. And look at... We we'll look in source number four, the Shulchan Aruch, right? Says the same thing. What are we doing for paying? Money or... Oh, right now it's money. Right now the Gemara is talking about money. Okay. We'll have to see. So it says the Shulchan Aruch, source number four, one does not redeem captives for more than their value. Why? Because of Tikkun Olam. So that the enemies will not sacrifice themselves in order to capture them. So he chooses the Rambam, and the Shulchan Aruch very often follows the Rambam, says, quotes the Rambam verbatim. That's because we're nervous and continue to capture more people. It's not an issue of how much money it's going to cost. It's an issue of, excuse me, it's an issue of if you continue to pay so much money, they'll continue to kidnap more and more and more. Fine. It's a good business. It's a good business. And, and, and Meister Shahaya there was such a thing that they used to do this. It wasn't, I'm saying they still do it now, but I'm saying it used to happen a lot in the Middle, in the middle Ages. All the time, it's just, you have people whose job they were kidnappers. So, it's certainly an issue. I don't want to read the rest of the Shulchan Aruch yet because we're going to come back to it. What? In all the world. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, I don't want to read uh, the rest of it yet We're going to come because we're going to come back to each of these cases. There are a couple of exceptions we're going to talk about right now and then we'll come back and see the Shulchan Aruch talks about it also. So let's keep going now into uh, section three. Source number five. Possible exceptions to the rule. For every rule, especially in Judaism, there's an exception. So you just told me, if we were to end this year right now, I'd say you can't, if you pay too much money for one captive, so it's forbidden. Why? Because the enemy will continue to do it over and over again. If you'd ask me, and if you ask any person in the world, 1,027 terrorists for one Jewish soldier is too much. That's much more than he's worth. Would you agree with that? Well, it's 450 terrorists and the less is... 1,027 people. Not terrorists. Okay, 1,027 for one. That's no, a lot terrorists. more. All of them terrorists, no? Four or five terrorists for the rest is like women and uh, children and those... Maybe involved or... I think would be equally dangerous people for sure would be as bad as paying money. I don't think you need you know anyone to tell you that trading human beings is worse than money in a certain sense. So to say a thousand twenty seven for one, I think we'd all agree is more than he's worth. Way too much. More than he's worth. Okay, you're right. You have to figure out at a certain point what's the value. But at a certain point you know it's it's more. A thousand to one is too many. That you know. It's not the value. Again, the, 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 the Lashon, the Gemara is, 
Mishnah, and Ponish is suing yet their Akadeh demand more than their value. I think you'd agree that a thousand people for one person is unbalanced. Okay. So the so if we would end this year now, I'd say, can I, can we, are we allowed to make such a deal? What would you say? <laughs> what would you say? Right now, what would you say? Right now? Yeah. I say no. No, you'd say no. If that's the halacha. No, I, I, it's like a business decision. It's right. right. Well, again, the halacha is, it's in the moach. Yeah. Right? It's got to be It's got to be a business decision a little bit because you, you, you can't take your emotion. You so to, right now, I say no. Right, right now, you'd say no. I think, I think you have to be clear, like, what happened today with the same person they were releasing by 25, I'm sure it was happened with him, no one releasing by 1,000 people. What? If they, what the opposite, the, the, the same person that was released today, so if they asked for 1,000 people, the government, I'm sure they said no. Right. Because it's not Gilad Shalit. Now work that. So like this. Now work that, right. Why? Why? Because he didn't uh, the kidnap in a military, in a duty, in a military. No, no, because, because Gilad Shalit, for five know, years, everyone talked about it. Right. Was like all you're right. You're, but, 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 you're but right. When you kidnap a soldier, right. it's much more. It's a. Uh, it's uh, just went to Egypt by itself, you know. Okay, but regardless, you're right. You have, you have, you're right. You have to figure out how much what worth, how much worth is. But again, at least in this situation, you don't have to worry about it because it's very obvious. In this case, fine. Let's see certain exceptions that might exist. Might, not all are necessarily be valid. We have a machloket, a little bit of dispute, which exceptions are correct. So let's read source number five. An interesting story. Read it, Maria. Okay. The rabbis taught. The rabbis taught. Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah yeah. went to Rome. They said to him, There is a child in prison with beautiful eyes and features, and he has side locks. He went and stood at the entrance to the prison and he recited the first half of Isaiah 42.10, and the boy responded with the second half of the verse. He was a smart kid. He okay. said, I am sure this child will be a rabbinic leader in Israel. I will not move from this place until I redeem him for all the money you require. He didn't move from there until he redeemed the child for a large sum of money. And it wasn't long before he began rendering halachic decisions. And who was this child? Rabbi Yishmael Beth Elisha. Rabbi Yishmael famous, a famous Amora, a famous rabbi. So we find that even though Rabbi Yeshua ben Hananiah knew that this was, again, way more money than would be required to, to release a regular person, nevertheless, again, you're right, it could be it has to do with uh, how much it would pay for a slave. I don't know. Because again, this is time going to Rome. This is after the destruction of the base of Megdash. All of the Jewish people are being sold as slaves all the time. So it could be the amount of money would be, a normal amount would be what they would get on the marketplace for him. We don't have to talk about it that way, but could be that's what it, what it is. As opposed to here, we had to pay much more than that. But why was he allowed to do so? Because he knew he could be a great Tamachacham, a great Torah scholar, a great leader in, 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 his, in, in the Jewish people. So what? Does that mean that if... Why does that make him any better? Why does a Torah scholar, why does a Tamachacham get precedence over any other human being? And everyone can be a Torah, like... Who knows? Okay, but I'm saying forget that even. Why? Let's say you have to be realistic. Right? Someone who realistically could be a Torah scholar, or someone who is. In 1970, I believe, there was a, yeah, there was a TWA flight that was hijacked, and Yitzchak Hutner, who's a big Rosh Hashiva in Brooklyn, was on flight. And people talked about getting a lot of money together to at least release Rabbi Hartner. So I'll tell you afterwards what happened. But why? Why should that be any different? Why should you be allowed to go and spend extra money for some big rabbi, not but not for, uh, for a polyamoni, not for a regular person? What do you think? The Gemara says so, clearly. So then, why would that be? We're going to see some explanations, but what do you think, yourself? Why I think that he wants more money? Why is it? Why is it? Why are you allowed to spend more than the person's worth? Why are you allowed? Why are you allowed in that case? What do you mean? For the future. Future of what? Of the people. So he would be a teacher. Okay, so he would provide something for the the community as a whole that a regular person can't necessarily do. Okay. Anybody else? As such, it's not going to be as bad in the community because more people will pay. 
employees of redemption. But they're still... Okay, you're saying it's not a regular person. They're only going to be willing to pay for a big rabbi. How often is a big rabbi going to be kidnapped? Because there is always people that are more important than the other people. If they go, if they're going to release the rabbi, there's a rabbi effect of a big community. He can okay. help them over there. There's people that need. What well, if the guy's a big lawyer or a big doctor? Yeah, he can be a prime minister. If, if, or if they're going to kidnap me and the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. Okay. Who are they going to release first? Okay, but that, <laughs> how logically we care that person is better than you. me. You, really. But, but, but who, again, uh, one, thing, one thing I think we said before is that if the person's going to be, have a big effect, a spiritual effect on the community, Right, yeah. So that's going to make a big difference. <laughs> and maybe in that situation, if we're whole, our whole worry is that by spending all this money, we're going to pull the community down. Well, by saving this person, you, if by not saving him, you're also pulling the community down. So it could be that <coughs> those two things balance out. Yeah, okay. So it's also tikkun alam then? Is it by definition in the Gemara? Um, I don't know if that's... Well, the tikkun alam, the reason not to was tikkun alam, which, which was, we didn't know which, which one it was, but... To not burden the community, you're not, not causing more people to k- kidnap. Maybe we're not burdening the community because we're helping the community. Right. And maybe you'd say we're not worried about people getting kidnapped because he's a special type of person. I'm not sure. So essentially, in the Gemara, tikkun olam means keeping the community intact, or maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But let's see. There are two separate Tosfos. Tosfos, the grandchildren of Rashi, lived in the. the Tosfos is not a person, right? Tosfos is a group of people who lived in the 13th century or so, 13th, 14th century, the grandchildren of Rashi. And they have two interesting comments, sources 6 and 7, about this. And they're speci- specifically talking about Yerushub and Hananya also. So let's see uh, why. In source number 6, what Tosos has to say about Yerushub and Hananya. says the Bali Tosos in source number 6. Let me see where I am. The numbers are next to the Hebrew side. I know, mine looks a little little different. Mine looks a little different. Um, Fine. Why is it they won't be enticed to kidnap more? Okay, but what about the story of Yeshua ibn Hananya? This is what Tosas always does. What Tosas will do is they see a Gemara and they say, and they know, because they knew all of Shas, the whole Gemara, they say, well, there's a Gemara over there which seems to contradict this Gemara. That's what Tosas always does. They do the same thing here. What about Yeshua ibn Hananya? We know that he went and spent more money. So Rabbi Shur Mechanani, who redeemed that child for a lot of money, it was permitted because, A, this child was, an, was outstanding in his wisdom. He was going to be a Talmud Chacham, he was going to be a Talmud scholar. Or, B, at the time of the destruction of the temple, the problem of not enticing the non-Jews is not relevant. This is a story that happened in Rome, right after the Chorban Abayid, after the destruction of the temple. At that point, all Jews were captives. Everyone was captives. The, the, all the Jewish people were all over the world. They, they were captured all over the place, millions of them. So, at that point, they weren't worried about the nine Jews going to come kidnap more Jews. The, the, the Jewish people were like, were nothing. So at that point, they weren't worried about it. That's one possibility. Another possibility is what we said before. The fact that this boy was going to be a Chacham, which I think is the more simple understanding of the Gemara, was, was worth it. But look at now Tosos in source number seven. Okay? There's a toast in a different place. Um, who, this is actually on the Gemara itself, that story about the little boy. He said they, he was willing to pay all the money they want for him. Why? Because when there's danger to the captive's life, one may redeem a captive even for more than they're worth. Okay. So. You didn't just fold the person? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Nafashos, for this person. I assume it means for the for the captive. Who else could be Sakan's Tafashas for? For the community. Right now, we could have to be. No, if, no. If there's Sakanat Nefashot, if you're worried about danger to someone's life, you can release the captive for as much money as you want. Who else's life are we talking about? Yeah, but every, every person is captured in Sakanat. Good. That's the local source number eight. Ramban says, that's ridiculous. So that's Ramban, source number eight, who wants to read it? There are those who say that whenever there is a concern for risk to the life of the captive, one may redeem him with as much money as possible. However, this does not make sense for every case of captives banks with it, this concern. Who's, a kid, who's kidnapped and we're not worried about their life? Every kidnapper has a gun. 
or a, a sword or a knife or whatever. Every kidnapper is threatening to kill. The, that's the whole point. Okay. And furthermore, when it comes to the women, women captives, there's a concern for immorality, and we are not concerned for that. Meaning, every time a woman is taken captive, we're nervous about what they might do to her. Yes. Mm-hmm. And nevertheless, that's, that's not hard. that's not thrown out as oh, well, we just every woman who's captive we save for even ten million dollars. We don't say that. Mm-hmm. We have to be realistic. Okay. Um, however, it makes sense that when it comes to the great Torah scholars, we spend as much money as is necessary. Where if the Jewish people, hold on a second. The Ramban now is saying that again, we, we was, had a problem that this story of Rabbi Hanania, he saved his little boy. How it seems to go against the rule. We see the rule is you don't spend more than is necessary. So we have three different possibilities as to why this boy is allowed to be saved. One is because it has to do with the destruction of the temple. One is that he was a great Torah scholar. And one is that his life was in danger. So the Ramban says it can't be because his life was in danger, because every captive's life is in danger. So now he has to explain to us why, give us one of the other two reasons why they make sense. So he's going to explain now why it makes sense to say that it's because he's going to be a Torah scholar. Okay. For if the Jewish people lose our money or our lives, there are many of each of those. However, a Torah scholar is not easily, easily replaced. So Rabbi Yoshua because he saw this child was certainly an extraordinary student, paid an enormous amount of money. Amazing. Right? Wow. That, that, it's interesting because you find that after the, after the Holocaust, this is one of the arguments that was made um, in the United States, and there were so few, uh, there were so many Talmud Chacham who were killed. All the leaders of all the communities in Europe were all killed. Um, and it was a big problem when the people came to America there were no, very few rabbis. No rabbis. There were very few people. And that's actually how Lakewood in New Jersey started. In Lakewood, we have so many people learning. They started with, it started as this sort of emergency. We need to get a lot of people learning. And they started the idea of Kobel. We didn't first start then, but the idea began then because they felt that we don't have people who know. We don't have people to teach. So they started it for this reason. This is what the Ramban saying the same thing 800 years before. He's saying, if you don't have people to teach, you have nothing. You don't have nothing. It's the most important thing you have to have. We have the story also told. You the, 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 in Talmudim also, but the, the Midrash yeah. says also that when, yeah. when, the Jewish, when, when Yaakov's children went down to find Yosef, so they sent, who went first? Yehuda? Mm-hmm. Yehuda runs ahead. So Yehuda goes ahead, and why the Midrash says to open a base medrash, to open a yeshiva. So when they get there, they have a place to learn. Because a, a Jewish people without, without Torah learning is it's not a Jewish people. It's amazing. He says we can, we can get our lives, we can get more, more people, and we can get more money. But more time at home we can't get. It's amazing. I went ice skating in Lakewood. Okay. Were there rabbis went, there? Mickey Katz, who was a comedian, I ate lunch with him, I think it was at Fairmont Hotel. He was Jewish. Okay. His son is Joel Gray. There you go. You know Joe Gray? No, but I'm sure he's famous. Yeah, but his daughter is you know, Michelle. Okay. He's a pilot now. Ah. Huh? Mickey Katz is also a pilot. He, he flew me to Israel. But I thought he Mickey Katz because he lays six foot. Okay. Okay. So let's so let's keep on going. So the Ramban says no no dice. Again, we thought we had in verse number seven. We thought we had our, our magic bullet. And we had our our savior for Eli Ali. If Eli is in danger. Whatever you got to do, Ramban says not so fast. Keep going. Roshlomo Luria. Yam Shoshlomo. Source number nine. All right, thank you. If one doesn't redeem these captives, there is worry that they might kill them. And when someone's life is in danger, we pay more than what the captive is worth. Okay, so Roshlomo Luria is agreeing with Tosos against the Ramban. I heard that when... The Mahara, Mahara, Maharam. Maharam from Ruttenberg, she rest in peace, who was being held in the tower in Eichstein for a number of years. And the side was taking a large ransom from the community and they wanted to redeem him. That he didn't allow them to do this so. This is like, you know, if you want to give an example, this is like if 20 years ago, Moshe Feinstein would have been taken captive. The biggest rabbi you can think of being taken captive, that was Maharami Ruttenberg. Maharami Ruttenberg was the Rebbe of, was the rabbi of the Rush and many of the other famous, famous commentaries that we have were the students of the Maharami Rutenberg. He was the, the biggest, the big. And they took him captive and he said, you cannot let me go. Because he said, we do not redeem 
captives for more than their value. And I didn't understand since he was an extraordinary Torah scholar, as there was no one like him in knowledge and piety, and therefore would not be permitted to redeem him. It would be, it would be permitted. And it would be permitted okay. to redeem him. And even if he didn't want to consider himself on such a high level, he should have at least been worried about the loss of tourist studies. Because he couldn't give any classes or speak to people or give them answers to the questions. Since the community needed, needed him. Rather, he must have thought that if they would redeem him, there was a word that they would continue to do this with every tourist scholar in each generation until there wouldn't be enough money to support the community and all of Torah would be lost. And I even heard that this same Tsar had in mind to capture the Rosh, Rabinu Asha, his student, but he found out and escaped Italy. The truth is that the Rosh was next. The yeah. Maram Rutenberg was taken captive. He never came free. After he died, they actually ransomed his body. They got his body back. Oh, and they were right. That they were ready to go after the Rosh also. So the Rosh moved. He ran away to Italy. And that's actually the time when the, the, the tour, who's the son of the Rush, writes the Arba Turim, the four Turim, which becomes the precursor to the Shulchan Aruch, which is the first time you find Ashkenazi and Svardi Halacha comes together in the tour. Why is that? Because the tour was from the son of the Rush, so he was an Ashkenazi, but he moved to Italy. He lived in Italy with all the Svardi. So it actually ended up being tremendous, you know, Ashkacha Pratis, that Hashem set it up this happened because then it ended up resulting in the tour and then eventually Shulchan Aruch because of this happened. But the point being, he says, the Barashal is saying, I don't understand what was wrong with him because he certainly could have gone free. First of all, his life was in danger. And second of all, he was a tremendous Talmachacham. Nevertheless, he felt in this situation, he knew that if they let him go, they're just going to take the next Torah down, the next one, and it would, the same thing would happen. But the point is that he agrees with the Ramban. Um, the next source is a fascinating source from Rivadi Yosef. Um, you just know that Piskei Tosvos, another Rishon, also believes, also says you can spend extra money uh, when there is danger to, the, to this person. But now someone read uh, Rivadi Yosef. Rivadi Yosef is, like we said before, the first time ever, right? I've never read Rivadi Yosef before. Rivadi Yosef, although he's a Sephardi, he's a Sephardi rabbi, he's looked to Mother Ashkenazim and they come to him a lot for for it to see what he has to say about, about medication. Yeah, okay, fine. So, he has a very, 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 very long piece that was not about the Gilad Shalit. It was written when the, the Mitzah and Tebi, when all those, when the, uh, when the flight was, the uh, Air Canada flight, or Air Canada? Air France, thank you. France flight was taken to Libya, right? And um, the whole story you saw the movie Operation Thunderbolt. If you haven't seen the movie, you see the movie. Um, and the question was, are they allowed to go in either, either to, to um, they were asking to release terrorists, but they went instead and, and tried to get them themselves. The question was, is that permissible for them to go in, try to get them out? Again, same thing, you're risking the life of the Israeli soldiers to go and save these people. Yeah. Same question, a very long piece, but he gets, he talks at one point about exactly this point. So he's quoting, he's quoting, at the, this part, he's quoting a sefer called Yad Shaul. And he says as follows. In our case, since most poskim, right, poskim refers to halachic, people make halachic decisions, are of the opinion that in the face of danger to, cat, to the captive's life, we pay even more than their value. And we do not find any of the great poskim who disagree with this. Interesting. The Ramban seems to be put aside, for the most part. It appears that according to the law, this is how we should act. Says Ravavadiyah, this is so... Even in our case, meaning the case of Antebi, we should say that even if you want to argue that this is considered more than their value, I'm not sure how many terrorists they were asking for in Antebi. Um, it was definitely more than the people they had, but I'm not sure. It wasn't, I it wasn't saw a thousand. that Antebi thing. Oh, that was so exciting. Very exciting. When the Israelis took those planes at night and they put cars and, and right. trucks in the yeah, plane, yeah. and they... <laughs> Next machine I will show the movie. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, so and we, and we should be worried. And we should be worried that the terrorists will try, continue to try to kidnap more Jews. And this is exactly our point, right? Ready? Nevertheless, when there's a real danger to their lives, we pay no attention to this reason. And either way, and this is actually fascinating. 
the enemy continues to do all it can to kidnap and kill in order to wreak havoc on the daily lives of Jews living in the state of Israel. I don't know what he means when he says it. Does he mean that, let's be realistic. If we let these guys go, it makes that big a difference? I don't know if that's what he means. If he means that halakhically, it sounds like it. Uh, which is fascinating because uh, we went to hear when Ellie Wiesel came to speak at the College of Charleston. And he said, Ellie Wiesel? Ellie Wiesel? He's a from the Shabbat. He wrote a book. He wrote a lot of books about it. So he, so he came out and he said as follows. And I couldn't believe it. I mean, I couldn't believe it, but it was scary to hear him say it. He said that he, he meets a lot of heads of state, like prime ministers. And he said he was speaking to one person who had spoken to Ahmadinejad. So he asked Ahmadinejad, the guy, he asked Ahmadinejad, he says, you really mean it? You really want to nuke all the Jews? He said, yeah, I mean it. That's what I said, right? So he said, but yeah, he said, but the Jews, the Israelis also have a nuclear bomb. If you fire a nuclear weapon on the Israelis, I'll just send one right back to you. He said, I know. But if I fire a nuclear weapon at the Israelis, I'll kill a million Jews. They'll fire one back at us, and they'll kill a million Arabs. But we have a billion. We can give a million. They have no value for their lives. That's what he said. That's what Ali Wiesel said that he said. So, to me, in my mind, and I, I, was, I, I was happy to see Ravaya said it, a thousand soldiers is a lot of soldiers, but let's be real. There are plenty of people who are looking to try to kill all the Jews in the state of Israel. And letting a thousand of them go, there are a lot more than a thousand. Who wanted, who wanted to do the same there, thing? I think the point is that there are a lot of other terrorists that could put us in risk all the time. Right. And second, the way that they are in our jail is hotel for them. Okay, like okay, so, forget that. But so, you know, let them we're forgetting that. We're forgetting that for a second. This point, I don't know if that's exactly the point that, that Ravavadi is making. I'm not sure if he's making that point, but. It, it's in, it was interesting to hear that he says that. He's talking about halacha, he's not talking about you know, what he feels. So it was interesting to see that he said that. But anyways, fine. Certainly at this point, we see that many, 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 apparently, there's a lot of support for this concept that when you're, the person's life is in danger, you can go to the What are you going to do? What, what about the, so, what about, so are there certain captives whose lives aren't in danger? Are there people who are kidnapped and their lives are not in danger? That was the Ramban asked. He said, well, wait a minute. Everyone's life is in danger. So I think maybe you have to say, I'm not, not sure if it's historically correct, that there must have been times when they were kidnapping really for money. And they didn't really intend on killing the person. They were kidnapping them. If you wouldn't pay, they'd, they'd continue to hold them. They weren't murderers. They're kidnappers. They need money. They got No, I'm saying regular regular kidnappers let's say oh, it could be I don't know maybe they were kidnapping for money I'm saying they wouldn't, if they wouldn't give the person back maybe they wouldn't kill them maybe they were just you know maybe there were times people did it for money they were murderers they were doing this to make money if they wouldn't get the person back they would hold them as long as they had to hold them but maybe they never really killed them I don't know they cut the heads off um, okay um, what's interesting also though just if you look back for one second in source number four the Shulchan Aruch does not say that if your life is in danger, you're free to go. It doesn't happen not to say that. Um, he says, however, a person is allowed to redeem himself with as much money as he chooses. And so too for a Torah scholar, or even if he's not a Torah scholar, but it's very sharp and it's possible he'll become a great sage, money will redeem him for a lot of money. But it doesn't say, it happens not to say in Shulchan Aruch that if your life is in danger, take is in the hate, you can go free. It doesn't say that. But, so it's important to point out, even though Ravadia is Ravadia, and Tosos and Piske Tosos are, are important, the Yamsha Shlomo, these are people that we listen to. But it's not 100% no questions asked. There will be some people who might argue on this point. Fine. But let's go a little bit further. What about the fact that this person, specifically Gilad Shalit, is not only a Jewish person, but he's an Israeli soldier? Does it make a difference that he's a soldier in the army? So let's see, there's a couple of interesting points here. This Gemara is going to be a little bit confusing, a little bit bothersome. Just read it. Don't get upset by it. And then we'll, we're going to have to explain it a little bit. We won't be able to explain it fully because we're just going to use it to prove a point. Source number 10. Joshua? No, I'm just telling. <laughs> uh, 11, sorry, 11. 11. Yes. If a woman was taken captive and a demand was made upon her husband for as much as 10 times her value, he must ransom her the first time. <laughs> 
It's up to him. <laughs> However, he ransoms her only if he desires to do so, but need not ransom her if he does not wish to do so. Okay. Again, for, for similar, it sounds very callous. But again, how many times are we going to pay these people millions of dollars? It, you, ha- you have to... Okay. Captors must not be ransomed for more than their value in the interest of the, interest of the public. This then implies that they must be ransomed for their actual value, even though the cost of a captive's ransom exceeds the amount of her ketubah. Has not, however, the contrary been taught. If a woman was taken captive, and the demand was made upon her husband for as much as ten times the amount of her ketubah, he must ransom her the first time. Subsequently, however, he ransoms her only if he desires to do so, but need not ransom her if he does not wish to do so. Rabbi Simeon ben Gamliel ruled, if the price of her ransom corresponded to the amount of her ketubah, he must ransom her. If not, he need not ransom her. The point is that it seems like a, a contradiction between Ben Gamliel's own statements, but... I don't really want to get into that, per se. So at the end, Rabbi Shimon Lillah upholds two lenient rules. The point is that he would hold that um, the maximum amount the person has to pay is either the amount of her ketubah or the amount that her value is. But I don't want to get into the, the, the details, per se. The point is that a, a, a husband has a specific mandate to redeem his wife, even for ten times her value. But didn't we just say that you don't do that? So this is another exception. That a, that a man has a responsibility to redeem his wife, one explanation given by some of the, the Rishonim is Ishto Kagufo. A, person, a person's wife is like his, own, like his own person. And we know that a person can pay as much as, he, if it's to redeem himself, the rabbis never made a decree about, about that. You can pay as much money as you want. If it's your own body, your own self, you can pay as much money as you want. So, what's interesting now is look at of Shal Yisrael, in Kabbalah's Binyamin, source number 12. And he explains, based on this Gemara, as follows. Roshim ben Gamliel also admits, everyone with me? Source number 12? Source number 12, you with me? Um, that even if the decree was that he must redeem her, even for a lot of money, this would not be in conflict with the decree of the sages not to redeem a captive for more than he is worth. For this, this case is like redeeming oneself. Right? This doesn't contradict what we said before, that you can't pay more than it's worth. She's not a Torah scholar. Right? Her life's not necessarily in danger. <laughs> Nevertheless, because she's you. It's like redeeming yourself. And they did not make their decree in such a case. Because of redeeming oneself. That's, that's allowed. Accordingly, one should view the responsibility of the Israeli government regarding its captives as follows. Since these soldiers go out to war as the agents of the government to protect a nation that lives in Zion, there exists an unwritten but self-evident responsibility for the government to do whatever it can to redeem its soldiers who are taken captive. Just as there exists a responsibility to worry about their physical well-being when they are injured and to worry about their families if anything should happen to them, certainly there exists a similar responsibility to do whatever it takes to bring them home. Yeah, but what, he, what, he's, what he's saying is, oh, again, I think it's a little bit of a stretch. Again, he knows more than me, but he's saying, in a sense, that just like a person has a, is allowed to redeem his wife because she's like his own, she's like his own self, the, the soldiers who are working as the shliach, as the emissary of the Jewish people, are almost like they're like us. Because when a person works as your shliach, it's even a halachic concept. When a person's your proxy, so that in a certain sense they take on your um, your identity. So therefore he's saying it, it, it would become a responsibility upon the government to go get every single Israeli soldier. Not, not to mention, I'm sure, the concept that if the soldiers know that they get taken, that, no one, that they're going to be left there, it would affect, it's dangerous for the country. Affect the morale of the soldiers if they knew that Nobody's no one's going to come get them. So maybe I, they do that for that too, you know? The I've heard that soldiers. argument also. I never. According to the knowledge of the Jewish soldiers, the Jews, the Jews, the the Jews, 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 it would probably only be the person Jewish, but I don't know. I'm not sure. But either way, again, this is this on on its own. 
I don't think you, if you just had this. If you if you have this, I'm saying if you have if you, if you have a Ravadi Yosef, I don't think you need this. Per se, it's a nice it's a nice idea either way. It's beautiful, whether it's halacha could be the best argument in the world. That I don't know. Okay, um, what about the last point though? This is an important one, which is that we we keep on saying that you know you just if you pay money, so you pay as much money as you have to. Well. When you pay that money, the money doesn't usually come back and attack you. And those, in these situations, all the cases we've said, again, until now, we would say, Mutar, right? you could. It would, be, it would be permissible to get him back. And again, if it's permissible, then it should be a mitzvah. Right? We just said all the, all the, the, the different mitzvot it is to bring, someone, bring him back. But the question is, well, those are all cases where you're not worried about the, that which you're handing over is going to come back and get you. So, so what about the fact that you're giving terrorists up? And those terrorists present a danger right away. So is that, does that change the game at all? I mean, and there's also another kind of perspective on that is like one is trading people for money, whereas one, you know, from one perspective you can see both sides, you know, the terrorists as, as in a sense soldiers of of Hamas, of right. their represent, and so, in some ways, it's you know it's a more difficult trade because it's like you're including people here, but it's uh-huh. also from another perspective, it's the trading of essentially soldiers for soldiers. Right, but except so. that, right, except you, except the argument would be that they're dangerous. Right. That if they're dangerous, then it's it's the it's the um, we just have to take into account the danger that we're putting the rest of the people in. Right. Especially again, you have. You have the articles right away in the New York Times that the first thing people said, "I'm going back. Here we go. I'm ready to, to, to go. To, you know, to to go play another attack." They 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 tell us that. So, Rabbi, it was in the past that terrorists, murderers, were given for dead bodies of soldiers. Right. Very different. And uh, well, here yeah, we are different, talking right. about a, a, a live soldier. Right. Right. Uh, and you know, uh, when we are talking about that, I, I'm thinking about this baby that Rabbi Yoshua is saw him in the right. in the prison. Okay, he, co- he complete the sentence from Yeshayahu, and mm-hmm. from that he understood that he has a potential. But he was not yet Talmud Chacham. Mm-hmm. But however, because it was this time after the destruction. Of the, of the temple, it was important for the morale of, of the mm-hmm. Jewish people mm-hmm. to take this uh, baby from, from the prison mm-hmm. and to see how he's growing and became a great rabbi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the same is here. Uh, we, are, uh, we are talking about, uh, about Svagan al Israel, and, this, uh, and uh, it's not like here that. Uh, the soldiers, this is their profession, uh, they are getting uh, money and they know what, is, what are the dangers and all that. They are, they are really shlichei tzibur. Mm-hmm. Though this is the rule, you are 18, you are yeah. going to be a soldier. Right. But really, you are, uh, if we are talking about fi- uh, being fighters, you volunteer to that. No mm-hmm. one forced you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, uh, the moral is uh, important. So, uh, but it's uh, difficult, I think, to say this is the halacha, because we have uh, this thing with uh, uh, Vaxman, who was kidnapped, and uh, also they wanted their friends, and much less than we gave uh, for Shali, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, finally we did what we used to do, uh, uh, action, and uh, he was killed, and even uh, an officer mm-hmm. was killed, right. and, and all that. So this was the, the principle, the political principle in this time. So we are, there, there is a halakha, mm-hmm. and uh, let's say the, the principles of the state of Israel. They don't necessarily and, ask. And also the principles of United States. Mm-hmm. The United States 
which might help them in the future save someone's life. So generally an autopsy is forbidden. Why? Because we call nivul hamit. It's desecrating the body of the dead person. There are certain situations where we allow it, but generally we don't allow it. Because once the person has passed away, we're supposed to guard their body in a very, in a very respectful way. So he writes as follows. I'm confused because you're calling this saving a life. But if that's true, what's the question? We know that anything that's, that is even a realistic doubt that someone's life may be in danger allows one to violate Shabbos, the most strict of our laws. However, this is only true when there's a realistic doubt in front of us, like a sick person. But in this case, there is no sick person right now who will need this now. Rather, they want to learn this now because maybe someone will come along later who needs it. Certainly, we want to push aside any Torah or rabbinic prohibition for such a thing. Because if you call this a doubt of danger to life, then every action for a sick person will be considered a doubt of danger to life. And one can do anything and everything on Shabbos because maybe someone will become sick and require these things. Meaning the point is, if we're talking about we call suffix, a possibility of it being life-threatening, that's only when it's realistic. When it's right now, in front of you. To say, let me violate a, a Torah or a rabbinic law to maybe possibly find out something that could maybe save someone's life later. If you do that, then we call it of our soul. If can go on forever, I can say, well, maybe I should be allowed on Shabbos to drive to the drugstore to buy an aspirin because it might be that I'm going to find someone who's going to have a heart attack and he might need the aspirin. It's, it's true, right? It's true. You can make the same argument. It's, it's possible. So he says, obviously, that's not what we do. We're referring to a possibility of life-threatening. It means right now there's something in front of me someone whose life is possibly in danger, a person who is in what we call suffix sakana. They have a high, very high fever, we're not sure what's going on, is it life-threatening? I don't know, but no, you, can make you go to the emergency room. So says Revai Yosef, releasing a terrorist. Is that a sakana, is that a sakana lefanenu? Is that right now when a terrorist is walking around in Ramallah? Right now, is it a danger to someone's life? No. It could be, it could be this person will go back, again, it might even be likely. We don't know, it might go back and perpetrate another terrorist attack. But it's not in front of me right now. So to say, again, what's the question we're asking? Choose one life over another. The life of Gilad Shalit over some innocent Israeli on a bus. How can I choose? The answer is it's not the same thing. In that case, in the Gemara, in the Yerushalmi, you have two people standing here, one's going to live, one's going to die. That you can't make a choice. Here you have a person in jail, in hell by Hamas. His life is in danger. He could very likely would have died. This person, this other innocent Israeli, maybe he's in danger, maybe he's not in danger. We don't know. And therefore it's not a good equation instead of a Vavadya. Therefore, it would definitely be mutar, but permissible to release soul, release terrorists, even though we know what might happen. Again, we, step, step, we take ourselves out emotionally. And just, again, in the halacha, think about it for a second, in the logic, it's not the same thing. And therefore, it says, Ravadia, again, we would be allowed to, for this, this isn't a problem either. And that's why he signed down. Eli Yishai, went and talked to Ravadia Yosef, and he said, it's good, it's Mutar, go ahead and vote for it, and he did. And that was part of what... Uh, According to Rabbi Vadi, not just a soldier. Right, not just a soldier. No, not just a soldier. Every... Any person whose life is in danger. Basically, any person who's kidnapped by terrorists nowadays, still life is in danger, um, would be such a case. And you're right, it's a big question in terms of negotiating with terrorists or not. The Allah would say, according to Rabbi Vadi, you're safe for sure, that it would be mutar. Because it's amazing when you think about the value Everyone. of life. Jewish people. It sounds like any person whose life would be in danger, would be kidnapped by terrorists, would be allowed to pay as much money as we need, or release as many terrorists as necessary. Again, every case you have to look at on its own, but certainly it sounds like coins provide you safe, you would be allowed to do so. It's important to think about. It's interesting. Well, you have to think. Well, so that story with, with, with I told you, with Hurtner, Elisar, that story with Hurtner in 1970, so that person wanted to pay to get him released. And Yaakov Kamenetsky said, no. He said, you can't do it. He said, because it's wartime. So it's a different point. He said that during war, again, it wasn't really a war, but he considered that we were constantly in war. And during war, he said, these rules change. And in, rules, you're never, in war, you're never allowed to do something 
that will support the efforts of the enemy. If you pay them money, they're going to take that money and throw it right back at you. And he said it's forbidden in that case to take a putner. They end up getting, getting freed anyway, so putner. But the, it's important to know that according to Yahweh Kamenetsky, maybe he would say that Gilad Shalit would not. Maybe he would say no. It's not, it is certainly, he would say the same thing about now, it would be wartime. Again, it's not really a war. That's what he said, that every, ever since the state of Israel was founded, we've been in constant war. So it's just good to know that it's not across the board. Not everyone would agree to this. Right. So, also, differently, uh, uh, the Kamenetsky's story was with money. He was a service. So money worse. can have them, the war. They're not even these thousands. Like, they, they have enough money too. But it was also but, speculation because he wouldn't necessarily, they wouldn't necessarily take the money. Said, right, the question wasn't... Right, right, right. So anyways, so it's just good to know that it's, that's not uh, all together. But it, some of you see it's amazing. It's just the, the amazing the, what we do for one person. And the discussion and the question, the back and the forth in the, in, in, in the halacha, but what to do for one life. And it's an amazing thing to think about. Ashrecha Yisrael, what it means to be a Jewish person that we pay such attention and such careful sensitivity. I, I was amazed when they talked about how when, when they brought home Gilad Shalit even, that Netanyahu, they met him, he had a press conference, and that was it. Why? Why didn't they have a big, make a big to-do about it? Because there were all these other people who were mourning and feeling terrible about the fact that these people who killed their children or their, or their father and their mother were going free. And the sensitivity that, that, Baruch Hashem, that, that, that the state of Israel had to not have a celebration, not have a party, Follow, we do what we have to do, we got him back, but we don't put him in anybody's face. The sensitivity to every single person, to their life, and for the emotional well being of every person, I think is really, uh, truly amazing. So, okay, go ahead. Like in the Bible, we 